Welcome to Adoption Now, sharing real stories of the joys and challenges of adoption. Now here's the host of Adoption Now, April Fallon. Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, telling your adoption story. I'm your host, April Fallon. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're so excited for the show today. You might be listening on the radio or streaming live. And those of you who are listening to our podcast, thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love for you to subscribe to iTunes. You will get a new story of an adoption every single week. Today, we have Liz McPherson on with us, and it's just so interesting how we met. I also work for CBS Channel 4, and I was doing an interview with her, and we were talking about United Healthcare open enrollment, um, and we're having this conversation, and all of a sudden, they started having technical difficulties. So we're just kind of sitting there. So we just started talking off camera, and she said, what do you do um, when you're not doing this? I said, oh, well, I have a radio program about adoption. And she said, what? I'm a birth mom. And I'm like, what do you mean? And so she tells me her story and we're having this deep conversation, you know, while they're trying to fix the cameras and, you know, we go back on and we finish our interview. But afterwards, I mean, the connection, I just love you. And I'm so happy that you're on the show and your story is so unbelievable. Thank you for being here. Thank you. It was an instant connection, wasn't it? Yes. It was like we were crying and on the set and, <laughs> and all the producers were like, what is going on? It was awesome. So you are a birth mom. Let's talk a little bit about your story. Where did it start? Where were you? What state? I was in Colorado. I lived in Colorado Springs, grew up there. And I was in a relationship with an army officer who was about 20 years my senior. And I found out I was pregnant. And it, it didn't work for him. It didn't work for his life. He, he had a notion in his head that somehow in 1985, getting a girl pregnant, even though I was of age and I was legal, that it would somehow ruin his military career was the story that he told me. And how old were you? I was um, 20. Okay, so you weren't a teenager. I, mean, I wasn't a were... kid, nope. And were you excited? I was scared. Yeah. I was scared to death. It was the last thing I thought would happen. I just, it just never even occurred to me that that could happen. So when he expressed to you that he was not happy, how did that make you feel? Well, I felt guilty. I felt like he thought I was trying to trap him and that I was somehow trying to make his life more difficult. And we'd been together for like a year and a half at this point. And we were living together. And I just, I don't, I don't think I was expecting that reaction from him. And so what did you do? Well, I was, I was able to conceal the pregnancy um, a long time. I mean, how far along were you when you told him? I was, I was probably in my fifth month when I found out, but I had, I spotted every month. Okay. And I actually, I can remember going to an urgent care at about the, probably would have been like the 10th or 11th week mark because I didn't have morning sickness. I had 24 seven sickness. Oh. And I remember them pressing on my abdomen and asking if I was pregnant. And I said, no. And they didn't run a pregnancy test because I didn't look pregnant. And they gave me something for the nausea and and sent me on my way. Okay, so you didn't know either for no. quite some time. No, and again, because I spotted every month, and I was just skinny, skinny, skinny at the time. So I really didn't have the traditional um, 
you know, showing, showing. And, and, okay. and there was a lot of denial going on. You know, I think I just kept thinking, no, this isn't possible. And, you know, I'll just run a little farther on my next jog and I'll lose another pound. And, you know, this isn't what's happening. And, you know, and of course, I'd having gone to that urgent care and having them, you know, say you're you're fine. You're just right. you just have the flu. Right. Okay. So you find out that you are pregnant. You tell mm -hmm. him he does not want the baby. No. Now what? So I started making phone calls and this is before the internet, you know, this is 1985. And, you know, and I, I called a friend in California and she had a family friend that were, had adopted children and referred to me, referred me to an attorney in New Jersey, really neat lady. And so I left Colorado because, you know, my waistline was starting to go away and he was just adamant that this was not going to happen. And I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I didn't, I really didn't have any idea. So I went to Texas and lived with my sister. Okay. Wait, did he want you to abort? Oh, yes. Oh, he did. He would have been very open to any procedure that would have terminated the pregnancy. Okay. So you tell your sister, did you tell the rest of your family? No, I didn't tell anybody else. I told, so my girlfriend in California knew, the, the father knew, and my older sister knew. So you went to go live with her in Texas. Mm -hmm. And this adoption attorney found a couple in New Jersey. Really, they seemed really nice. And we exchanged, you know, letters back in the day when you actually wrote on a piece of paper and put a stamp on it. And, and everything was going really well. And I was so healthy. I didn't drink. I've never smoked. I was in excellent physical condition. I mean, it was, you know, I really... I just always had taken good care of myself. So there was no, no question that I was going to have a very healthy baby. And about, I guess it was probably about three weeks before I was due or we thought I was due. We really didn't even know a due date. Um, the family in New Jersey had an opportunity to adopt a baby out of New York City from a Polish immigrant that had just come to America. And they said, Liz, it's a sure thing. Oh, no. How did you take that? I was, well, I called the birth father and I said, it's a sign. We're supposed to keep this baby. Right. And he said, no, no, you're not going to ruin my life. You're not going to ruin my career. And I said, okay, I'm not going to do that, you know. So you wanted to stay with him. I so did. So you were willing to give up the baby to stay with him. Like an idiot, I was. You never thought, I'm leaving. And I'll just take the baby and go. No, and you know, and I, I look back on that and it wasn't in, in the 80s. It, it's kind of interesting how we've evolved. It was it almost I almost felt like there was societal pressure to not be a single mom. And I had right. no education. You know, I was making three dollars and ten cents working at a clothing store and I didn't really have a ton of family support. I, I, I don't know how my family would have reacted if I told them other than my sister supporting me through the pregnancy. Right. Okay. So he says, no, we're not keeping the baby. You're still really struggling with this. But you know, for a birth mother, it's hard enough to make the decision. And I want to really hit this point because um, sometimes as adoptive parents, we don't understand how sensitive the birth mother is. And when you make a decision and you commit to her and change your mind last minute, that can send her life upside down, you know, because you've made a commitment to her and the baby and, and it's hard, but she keeps thinking, okay, but I have this family, you know, and I'm connected and I keep going. And all of a sudden when they say, Oh, oops, a ba another baby or this, or I'm doing this. And I mean, whatever was meant to be, was meant to be, 
But I feel like from hearing stories, the commitment that you have to that birth mother, you have to keep that really strong. So I'm sure at this point, your life is upside down. Oh, it was just another rejection. Right. It was just like, what did I do? You know, I've got this perfectly healthy baby boy who's, you know, the biological father is a brilliant military officer. I mean, uh, the pedigree, if you would, it on paper, we looked like a great couple. And, and then they took this baby from a woman they knew nothing about, who spoke almost no English. And they just kept saying, we're sorry, but it's a sure thing. And so that you felt they rejected you and your I child. I did. I did. I just felt like the rug had been pulled out from under me. So what did you do at that point? The attorney that I was working with um, found another family in Northern California. And um, the family said, you know, do you want to come to California and have the baby? Now, typically you don't fly weeks before you you give birth. But again, didn't look pregnant. So three weeks before I had my son, I got on an airplane and flew to Northern California. Did you, I mean, obviously it worked out the way, I keep saying that, it worked out the way it was supposed to be, but did you like the family? I mean, it feels like, so nowadays they present so many different families. So you kind sure. of look and you have a choice. It seems like the lawyer at that time was like, here's this one, here you go. I mean, did I, you have much of a choice? I looked at a couple of families and, and the family that I chose, they just seemed like the family I would have wanted for myself, okay. you know, they just, and, and, and I made the right decision. I mean, talk about things working out the way they should, because they were absolutely the perfect family for, for Nick. Okay. So you get on a plane, you are now flying weeks before you're about weeks to have a baby. Weeks before I'm having a baby. Never wore maternity clothes. Really? Nope. So you didn't show it all. I did a little bit. I mean... If you're really looking for it. And if you didn't know who I was, you just think, oh, you know, she's got a bit of a gut. But, you know, I'm sure my my family back home would have would have suspected that something was up. And when you got off the plane and saw them, what was that like, meeting them for the first time? You know, I just wanted them to like me. I was so afraid they wouldn't like me after going through the rejection mm-hmm. with the other, the New Jersey family. And, you know, and, and we were, you know, we kind of held each other at arm's length. And, and I wondered about what they were thinking of me, you know, what kind of a woman does this? And they're thinking we want her to like us. And, you know, so it was that kind of awkward, you know, first date, if you will. Right. But they were just lovely. They just were such good people. And I just I adore them. I'm so glad they're in my life. Do they have any other children at this point, at this moment? They had a son. He was probably two that was adopted. So they had gone through this before. And so, you know, they, you know, they had an idea of how it would work. Um, But, you know, so we just got to know each other and just asked each other questions. And they wanted to know everything about me and make sure they could answer questions. I didn't, however, tell them about the birth father. Um... What did you say? I just said that I didn't know who the father was. And that was because he, you know, I always think, God, if he ever hears this, but he didn't want to have his name anywhere near this. I mean, he just was. Oh, my goodness, Liz, because at that point now you're saying like, well, I don't know. 
could have been anyone, which was such a lie. Right, and, and that's I not felt, who you are at all. No, and I felt so bad lying to them. You know, and I wanted to say, yeah, he's an army officer. And I'm in a committed relationship. Right. And, and you know, I'm the, not just Yeah, I'm not just sleeping around. Right. And so you really took on, oh my gosh, lots of different heavy uh, personas about you to make sure that this was going to work. Yes, I did. So, so I ended up in um, outside of Oakland. Did you stay in their house? No, um, they put me up in a hotel. Okay. Were they leery about like, hey, we don't want you to know our last name, or, or were they very open? They trusted you. You know, they were open, and I think. At the time, you know, we didn't have the internet. You couldn't just Google somebody's name. But, you know, I'd met them. I'd met their two-year-old son. And, um, you know, and we shared meals together. But it was still, it was it was awkward because you don't want to get attached. And I think they were worried that I would change my mind at the last minute. And, of course, I'm worried that they're going to change their mind at the last minute. Really? I, I just never have thought about that as an adoptive mom. I mean, hearing stories now, and we made that point earlier that, you know, that relationship is so important. But as a new mom, or, you know, you know, so much more now, I just don't think about that, you know, as an adoptive mom, that you would be worried, hey, she cares about what we think about her too. Right. You're just so concerned. Like, is she going to change her mind? Does she trust us? Does she think we're good parents? You know, it, it you, that's what is in our mind. Sure. Isn't sure. it interesting? That is interesting because I never, I think I was so self-involved at that point that I just wanted them to like me and not think less of me and, and not change their minds and... And they must have done the right things. They must have said, were very kind to you and said the right things because you felt that this was a good placement. It was. It really was. It just, everything just felt good about it. So they put you up in a hotel and how long after did you have the baby? I want to say it was probably three weeks, maybe, maybe not even that long. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of a blur, but it was so funny. I remember um, his adopted mom and I were having lunch at this, this beautiful mall and I said, I don't feel good. And she said, really? What, what's going on? And I said, I don't know. I, just, I feel like I'm going to start my period. And she said, oh, you're cramping. I was. And she said, well, you know, let's, let's, let's just be safe and go to the doctor. And we get there and I'm dilated to like eight. Oh, my goodness. Right. And have the baby like an hour later. <laughs> I never had like the traditional crazy labor pains. I mean, I just just didn't feel good. I was like, oh, I just don't feel good. Well, and also it was your first baby. And it was, yeah, I so didn't know what it I was didn't gonna know feel. what it was going to feel like. And and so she was there with me. I mean, we didn't even have time for for his adopted father to get there. I mean, everything just happened so fast once we got to the hospital and they realized like, oh, you're going to have a baby here like right, right now. now. And so when you gave birth, what was that like? <laughs> Did they hand the baby to you? They put him on my chest. And he peed all over me. Oh, gosh. Which I always tell that story because... When He's going to listen to this and be like, thanks. I know, I know right? And, um, and then I remember everybody making this huge fuss about, don't put her on the maternity ward. Don't put her on the maternity ward. You know, and I was like, oh, my God. I just, you know, I just felt like everybody was judging me. You know, everybody was like looking at me like, what's wrong with her? Like, why is she doing this? And, of course, I can't tell them the other half of the story. You know, I just right. have to kind of roll with it. And so how did the hospital handle that at that time? Did you already tell them this is, a, yes, this they is knew. the adoptive mom? Okay. They knew. How do they treat her? 
You know, I don't remember. I, again, I think I was just so self-involved in like the survival mode, this place. And, and of course she's, you know, she's elated because she's got this beautiful, oh. perfectly healthy baby boy, seven pounds, seven ounces. He was a big kid. Aww. Yeah. So for some, you know, for somebody that really didn't look pregnant, it wasn't like I had a small baby. And, um, you know, and she wanted to be with her family and, you know, and that kind of intimacy. And, and I, you know, and I, I, I just remember going to, to the hospital bed afterwards. And I called the birth father and called him and called him and called him. And he finally answered the phone. And he said, you need to get your ass back to Colorado because he was being relocated. And he said, um, I'm not driving cross country by myself. And I said, so you understand I like gave birth to our son two hours ago. And he said, you need to get your ass back to Colorado. So about 12 hours after giving birth, I got on a plane and flew home to Colorado. Oh, my goodness. So you did this whole thing alone. Totally alone. And how long did you stay in the hospital? And did you get time with him? No, I, I didn't get I didn't want any because I, I knew I was on the verge of, you know, OK, I yeah. can make this work. I, you know, we can survive on three dollars an hour. Yeah, I don't right. have an education. We can we can do this. And so, no, I I knew I had to just make a really clean break. So how long after did they release you? About 12 hours. <gasps> 12 hours? 12 hours. The next morning. So I gave birth to Nick at 6.53, so seven minutes before seven. So it's always been this kind of cool thing. He was born at seven minutes before seven, and he weighed seven pounds and seven ounces in the seventh month. Yeah. And that next morning, I was on the first flight out of, out of Oakland to Colorado. I know our listeners right now, they're probably like, oh, my goodness. Right. I mean, what decisions you were making at 20 years old to try to figure life out and go back to this person who doesn't care about this baby that you just gave up and really is saying, I don't really care about you either in your physical, you know, condition, just drive me to where I need to be. Yeah. What happened after that? You, did you drive him? I did. We drove to Western Pennsylvania. He started his new duty assignment as a, um, ROTC officer teaching military sciences at Slippery Rock University. And I remember it was just, you know, a few days after and a public service announcement came on TV about adoption. And he said, if you're going to cry about this, you need to get out. You need to just get out. And because I have no car. I have no money. I have nothing. And I can't tell my parents. And he said, if, if you're going to cry about this, you have to go. How were you doing physically at that point? I mean, obviously, emotionally, it was so difficult, and he's not understanding what you're going through, and you're all alone. But physically, did you heal really quickly, or are you in pain and bleeding? And Oh, I was bleeding, and I hurt, and, you know, I remember I saw my mother the day after, because I'd flown home, and she said, you look like hell. And I said, I had a really rough day yesterday, and that was it, and... It was like, you know, hey, we got to go. I'm moving. I've, you know, we've, I've got a lot to do. And and so I just, you know, I just focused on getting the house unpacked and learning my way around a new city and just pretending that nothing ever happened. We never really spoke about it again. And so you just stuffed all of that down. Stuffed it. All of it. What happened between the two of you? So 
I see, must have been about eight years later, um, I just grew a spine. And Wait a so, second. Did you marry him? I did. I married him about 10 months later. It's, it's kind of funny. He, he came home and said, well, if we're going to do this, we might as well do it before the end of the tax year. And I said, do what? How romantic. I know. Isn't that, isn't that great? And I said, do what? And he said, get married, stupid. And I said, oh. And he said, well, you know, and don't forget, men don't love women that walk away from perfectly healthy white baby boys. So it was, he was very abusive emotionally. He, he really convinced me that I was used goods. This is going to want you. You're going to tell this story to a guy you think he's going to love you for that? People, people don't love you when you do stuff like that. I mean, he was, it, it, it was a lot of psychological trauma. And so you married him. We have to take a break. I'm sure all of our listeners are like, oh my goodness, what happened after? If you stay tuned, you're going to hear the rest of Liz's story. It's so amazing. And to meet her is such an honor because she's a totally different person. You would never know that she went through this because she's successful and confident and you can tell that she has a love for life. And so to hear this, just looking at her and going back to that place, it's so brave for a birth mother to share a story like this and I commend you for it. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to Adoption Now. We'll be right back. I'm April Fallon. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver, broadcasting in HD digital radio and online at 670kltt.com. Hi, this is Noah, April's husband, and I want to thank you for listening to this story on today's program. Do you have an adoption story? April and I have been through our own adoption journey, and I'd like to encourage you to contact us about sharing your story. You can do that by going to our website, adoption-now.com, and clicking on the Tell Your Story tab. Let's join together and inspire others. And now let's rejoin April and the rest of today's story. Faith and Family Radio, KLT Denver. Welcome back to Adoption Now. I'm your host, April Fallon. Today we're talking to Liz McPherson, a birth mother that gave up a baby for adoption. Her story is so amazing. Just talking to her about um, being with this birth father who was very successful and asked her to either abort or give the baby up and forget all about the baby. And she ended up marrying him and you spent eight years with him. Did. And one day you just woke up. I did. And I decided that I'd had enough. And I I remember taking the house key off my keychain and telling him, I said, Do you remember when I said when I leave I'm never coming back? And he kind of thought that was funny and I said, I'm gone. And I got in my car and I drove from, we were in Leavenworth, Kansas at the time. He was at the war college there. And I drove back home to Colorado and quickly discovered that I had no money because our accounts were all or. It was oh. him or her, not him and her. So you only needed one signer to close. So he cut me off financially, completely. I mean, I remember having to panhandle money to put gas in my car. I'm an officer's wife. And I'm having to do this because I have, and I didn't realize I didn't have credit because I had credit cards with my name on them, but I was a signer. Oh. I had, I mean, I literally had what fit in my car. 
Did you go to school in this time? When did I you do? did. Okay. I did. That was that was one of the upsides. Is I did graduate with a bachelor's degree from Slippery Rock University okay. in political science. So I had that, and that actually was kind of finishing. That was was a big deal before I made my exit. I didn't plan my exit very well. So I, you know, I kind of ended it back at where I started, which was really with nothing. Right. And you came back to Colorado? I did to my mom and dad's. And of course, they had no idea that that I'd had this baby. Um, They just they never liked the guy anyways. And so it was just starting the next chapter in my life. Did you know anything about your baby? I mean, had they been writing you letters and sending you pictures? We did exchange at the beginning. And, you know, and then I think I wanted more than they could give. The, the adopted parents could give. And, and it, you know, and the agreement was I would stay out of his life. Oh, okay. So you it know, was closed. It, it was open, but I wasn't, it wasn't like an open adoption. It was open insofar as I knew his last name. Okay. And I knew where he lived, but it wasn't open. Like I'm going to come to the birthday parties and that kind of stuff. So, so after a few years, it was decided that we would just, you know, just kind of put everything on the table until he was an adult. Okay. So you didn't have much contact and now you've left him and you're back home at, with nothing. With nothing. Did you tell your family at that time? No. You didn't? I didn't. You just said, I'm, I'm leaving this guy, yep. I'm divorcing him, and I'm starting over. And did they help you? Not really, but they didn't have means. You know, I, I didn't come from a family of means, so they really didn't have a way to support me financially. So I ended up back in Washington, D.C., which was one of our duty assignments. And, um, and I remember I lived in my car for a couple of weeks because I had, he wouldn't, he wouldn't give me access to any of our accounts. And he kept thinking like, if I cut her off financially, she'll come back. back. And I didn't. And I can remember like waking up with a cop knocking on my driver's side window, you know, telling me you can't sleep here. And I was too proud to tell my friends. I know my friends would have taken me in, but I just, I couldn't tell them. So I found a job and just started remaking my life. And I think when the divorce, when, I think when everything was finalized, I got $2,400. He got the house. He got the investments. I couldn't afford an attorney because, again, I had right. no access to the money. So you can't get an attorney on a contingency fee. So I, got, I remember getting $2,400 from him. Yeah, but you got your life back. I got my life back. It was worth it. It was so worth it. And it wasn't easy. No. I mean, you started from nothing. And how were you doing processing this baby that you had given up? I just, I didn't let myself think about it much. I mean, every night I would say goodnight to him, but I didn't, I never had that like talk therapy, like with, even with my closest friends. Mm. So it was just, you know, people would invite me to baby showers and I just, oh, I would just dread it. Oh, here, hold my baby. And I was like, nope, nope, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Mm. Everybody just thought I had this kind of weird aversion to babies, but I never. Because no one knew. I knew. And they're like, what is wrong with Liz? And every year on his birthday, I would buy a clock and I would set it to 653. I have a lot of clocks now. (laughs) You know, I, I love that you're giving us an insight into a birth mother's heart and thinking about them on their birthday. And I bet what other holidays? Oh, Mother's Day was the worst. Mother's Day was always so hard. But every day I thought about him every day. And I just I drove myself to be successful because I kept thinking, if this kid ever meets me, I want to impress him. I want him to be like, wow, that's my birth mom. I didn't want to be, you know, the unemployed, broke girl. So I just pushed myself and pushed myself to succeed. 
Um, Along this process, did you marry again? I did. I did marry again. And we ended up in Southern California. That didn't work out. You know, I, he, he was a nice enough guy, but it just, it didn't, it wasn't the right fit. But he did know about, about Nick. So it was, it was kind of nice to actually have somebody in my life that I could talk to him about. Right, right. And so, okay, so now you're in California. Yes, I know. It's like, if you look at all the places I lived, it looks like I was running from the law, but I really wasn't. <laughs> you're kind of spinning to deal with it. I mean, I think now birth mothers who, who give up a baby, there's a lot more resources. Sure. Because we kind of just throw everything under the mat. You know, back in the day, we did everything. You know, you didn't process anything, but this is huge. And we see that the first year is very difficult. And so connecting to resources as an adoptive mom, I want to make sure that I'm letting my birth mothers know, hey, I know this might be really hard. And it's hard for, for me because this is the most joyful time. Right. I'm bringing home a baby that we've been waiting for. But on the other hand, it's like my heart is breaking because the next year is going to be empty. I mean, the next, not just year, but the first year is really hard. It's just very empty and you're going through physical, um, your body's healing. And so how can we help you? If we don't do that first year properly, I feel like the birth mother spins out of control year after year after year. The more we stuff it down, Mm -hmm. it's hard to regain your life. At what point did you think that you really said, okay, I'm just going to wait for him to connect with me? Or was it when he actually connected with you? Well, it's funny because I did, I finally did meet Mr. Wright. It took me a while. Hey. And he would always say, someday that kid's going to find you. And I'd say, oh, no, no, boys don't look for their mothers. What year did you find him? How old would Nick have been at the time? He was 20 going on 21. It was April 27th. Okay, so you find Mr. Wright. How old would Nick have been when you got married to Mr. Wright? Oh, um, let's see. He would have been about 13. Okay, so at thir- 13 years later, you find Mr. Wright. You're kind of... You got, you know, you're getting the jobs you want. Things are starting to work out. And you have this husband that you can talk to openly. And he's saying he's going to find you. He did. He he never doubted that Nick would find me. And and it would just be a topic of conversation over dinner. I'd start to cry. And he'd say, nope, you just wait. He's going to find you. And and by this time, Nick is 20. And I'm thinking, well, you know, he's been a legal adult for a couple of years. You know, so... Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but I truly didn't think boys looked for their mothers. I, I, I'd never let myself get my hopes up for that. And then? And then I got an email. Oh, this is my favorite part of the story. <laughs> and it, the header said, Nicholas Reisfeld has sent you an email. And I promptly passed out. <laughs> I mean, I literally stood up and hit the floor. And my, I mean, it was, it was surreal. It was just, I mean, my whole life, I I'd created this persona of, you know, and my best friends didn't know. And the email was just beautiful. And, you know, and he said, you know, if you ever want to connect, I would love that. And, and, you know, I just kept, I just kept reading it and reading it and crying and laughing. And my husband and I were so happy. And he said, well, why don't you write him back? And I said, okay, Okay, and I, I had my laptop, and I said, I don't know how to type. <laughs> I, said, I can't remember. And he said, well, honey, he, he gave you his phone number, and he hands me the phone, and I said, I don't know how to dial a phone anymore. <laughs> so Kevin <laughs> dialed the phone for me because I was just a disaster by this point, and 
and Nick says that he saw the area code and he knew it was it had to be somebody from Colorado and that he he knew I had lived in Colorado and I he answered the phone and I said is this Nick and he said yeah and I said this is Elizabeth and I love you oh and how did he respond he said I love you too and we haven't stopped talking since that was almost 11 years ago and did he tell you about growing up and everything, his life? everything, oh, his family. And it was, it was just like, oh, it worked out exactly like I wanted. It was a good family and he had all the advantages that I could have never provided him back then. I mean, I don't know that I could have gone to college and supported a child. And so he just had all of the advantages and it was, it was just magical. And he has, is he close to his adoptive parents? Oh, he's very close to them. My favorite part of the story because a child has room to love both mothers. Yes. And that's as an adoptive mom, we say, oh no, don't find, because I want you to love me only. And, And your story teaches us that this child has the ability to connect with you as his birth mother and his adoptive mother and adoptive father. And he has the best of both worlds. Yes. People who love him. A ton of people. I know. Every it, it it took us a while to get there with his with his adopted family. And I, I absolutely mm-hmm. understood that. And my place has never really been to be his mom. I'm his Liz. Everybody should have a Liz of their own. I want a Liz of my own. Right? I'll be your Liz <laughs> okay, too. Great. Yeah, I think that that is so um, just special that he was so open. And you're a very open person, so I'm sure he gets that from you. Well, I wasn't for a long time. I mean, I just carried the secret around and was just driven and driven to be successful. And just in case he ever found me, I just didn't want him to think that I wasn't a good person. At 21 years old when he finds you, so 21 years later, do you think that that changed your life? And do you think that's when you became more open? You know what? I I even look physically different. Hmm. It's interesting. I... I don't think I realized the weight of what I was carrying around and and even people, you know, when they they're like, you you really did change. I mean, I really did become so much more open and just being honest when people say, do you have any kids? I mean, people would always ask, that's a normal question. And it's like, I'd always have to say, no, 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 I don't have I never had any. And I hated lying. Right. So you had Nick, but you never had any more children. I did not. No, that was intentional. I never, I always felt like I would just be so disrespectful to him. Really? That's how I felt like if, you know, how could I keep a child and I couldn't keep him, even though my circumstances were completely different. I just, I just never felt like I deserved another chance. Did you tell your family? I did. At that point? I did. After he found me, I had a few glasses of wine. I got some liquid courage and called my family and they promptly thought I was hallucinating. I mean, they really did. They, I was pretty tanked by the time I called them. So, you know, they're trying to reason with me on the phone and, and I'm stumbling through this, you know, sobbing and crying and they can tell I'm drunk and I'm talking about a baby and they're saying, well, we know you have a baby. You have Joe and that's my beagle. And I, I kept saying, no, he's a real baby. And they, they actually drove to my home in the mountains that night because they, they thought were concerned. they were concerned that they that I had consumed so much alcohol that I was hallucinating. And when they got there, my husband sat them down and told them the story. And I sobered up and we all had a good cry. Did they say, why didn't you tell us? Oh, they did. They did. 
you know, and I, I think it broke their hearts mm-hmm. that I didn't, but I just, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't, they had enough on their plates, you know, they were struggling to get by and I, I didn't want to pile on mm-hmm. and, and add to that, to that burden. What is the relationship like between all of you? Adoptive family, Nick, is Nick married? Nick is married. I'm a grandmother. <gasps> and he has grandchildren. I have, I, I totally get the whole grandparent I mean, he doesn't thing. have grandchildren. He has kids. He has you have kids. grandchildren. I do. You know what? It took a few years and his adopted mom and I, we don't see each other often and we don't communicate often, but we're like sisters. We, we always thought that it, in another space and time, we would have been best friends and there's nothing I wouldn't do for her, but we vacationed together. No way. Oh yeah. We, we had a lovely oh. long weekend in Tahoe and laughed about, you know, when, when my son was being a jerk or, an, you know, and I said, wait a minute, he's your son. He's not my <laughs> son. And, but yeah, I, I, I love them as if they were my own family. They really have welcomed me into the into their family just beautifully what a huge healing experience for everybody it really was it it really was and you know and again it didn't happen overnight you know I mean his his adopted mom and I had to kind of get to know each other again and now she knew me as a 20 year old a scared broke 20 year old and now 21 years later I have a master's degree and I have a really good job and a beautiful home and so we had to re we had to get to know each other again and um and I think I had to really kind of explain that I wasn't here to to take over and I wasn't here to parent. His, no, mm-hmm. no. He he's got the best mom in the world. I'm I'm just here. I'm I you know, I'm just I'm just his Liz. That's so amazing. The thing I love about your story is because we talk a lot about adoption comes out of loss um and brokenness and um for the child and, and just the whole journey can be really, really difficult. There's so much joy. Mm-hmm. And so we love to bring out the joy. Um, and we love to talk about children that find homes and, and connect. And, uh, you know, um, I don't think it's plan A necessarily, but it is the plan. It doesn't really make sense. Those two things don't make sense. But it is the way it's supposed to be. And it kind of works out. Your story, though, really focuses on the healing part. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes as parents, we focus and, and, you know, I'm raising little ones right now. And sometimes I see my son ask me a question that's really hard about his birth mom or why don't they keep, you know, why don't mommies keep their babies? And, and I'm like, oh, it's like I'm focusing on the brokenness. And then I hear your story and I'm like, you know what, though, there's healing. There is healing. And, and the story can be amazing. And we're going to hope for that. Maybe it's not always going to work out like that. But you know what? In my home, we're going to hope for that. And I'm going to be, I want to be the type of mom that I realize that my child has enough room in their heart to love their birth mom and love me. Absolutely. And we're not going to focus on being afraid that, you know, they're going to go off and find their family and never see me again. Because that's a big fear for all of us in the back of our minds as adoptive moms. And that's ridiculous. You can't live like that because then you kind of shield your child from exploring those answers that they need. And so I really, through this show, I mean, I've changed so much and learned so many things. But the moment that I met you, (laughs) I said, there's healing in adoption. And this story can be so cool and powerful and amazing. And even in your life at 20, I mean, really, God used this child to change your life. You yes. know, and that's really the the biggest part of the story is the relationship now, even though you went through all that pain before. And that's real and honest. But look at you now. 
I know it's it's amazing, and every day is just a gift with him and his wife and the the grandkids and his adopted family. I mean, it it really, I, I couldn't ask for a happier ending. What happened to the birth father? He moved. He, I believe he retired from the army, and I did tell him after Nick found me and. I said to Nick, we're either going to get roses or a restraining order. I don't know which. So I found him online and I called him and I called him and I called him. And when he answered the phone, he said, if I wanted either one of you in my life, don't you think you'd be here now? And that was it. That is so sad. It is. And he's walking around with the lie. Right. So nobody, he, I'm sure nobody knows and that, you know, that, that this happened. And so I, I, he never had the benefit of the healing and may, maybe he did. I, I guess I'm making an assumption that he hasn't, but based on our conversation 10 years ago and I, once I left him, I never saw him again. Wow. I never, I never went back. I, I shouldn't say I never saw him again. I saw him when I signed the divorce papers. Right. I can't believe that at 20 years old, you made a decision to really protect your child even though you would have been a great mom. I mean, just, I want you to adopt me, you know, <laughs> but you, it's just that you, this, this husband that you had was so abusive to you. And can you imagine how he would have treated Nick and that you had to make some really hard decisions, but in the whole grand scheme of things, you protected him from a father that would have never loved him. You know, that was the first reaction from my family. They said, thank God he wasn't a part of that child's life because they saw the the years of abuse and the just the mistreatment. And yeah, and you know, I, I, I always use the, the metaphor that, you know, the house is on fire and I knew I could save Nick. I could try to save both of us, but I knew I could save him. And that was that was paramount, was saving him. The love that you have for him. I know he's gonna be listening to this. <laughs> Nick this is such an amazing story and you have such an amazing birth mother and I'm sure your adoptive parents are awesome and I just, I'm just happy for you and your life and your wife and your children and that your mom gave you life and not only life to live, I mean not aborting, but a life away from what she could do to protect you and that was not an easy decision and in any situation with birth parents it's not easy and so if we as adoptive parents can really understand that and really take the time to understand this woman and what she's going through and the process and how can we help her um, through the years to be involved no she doesn't want a parent most of them do not want a parent they're not a threat but if they want to be involved as far as seeing pictures and writing letters and letting them know you did a miracle, what you did for our family, what you did for this child is honorable and we want to honor you in any way. So thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and shedding light on a birth mother's journey. Thank you, April. Thank you for tuning in. If you'd like more information about us, you can go to adoption-now.com. If you have a story that you would like to share, we would love to hear it. You can go ahead and select be on our show. Don't forget to like Adoption Now on Facebook. I'm your host, April Fallon. See you next week.
Thanks for joining us for today's Adoption Now. If you would like to tell your story or for more information about Adoption Now, visit the website at adoption-now.com or find it on Facebook. And join us next week at the same time as we share another adoption story on 670 AM KLTT.